The gospel reading can be found on page 1046 of the Church Bibles. It's Luke chapter 12, reading from verse 49 to 56. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Not peace, but division. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I'm under until it is completed. Do you think I come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but the vision. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Interpreting the Times. He came to the, he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it then that you don't know how to interpret this present time? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord. Thank you, Louise. So, uh, a very good morning uh, to you. Now, today, I think I'll start with um, a quiz, actually. Um, So, let me ask you a question. Um, Who likes films here? If you like films, put your hand up. I can see Mark's put his hand up. Uh, Paul, great. Okay. I'm going to show some photos of some films, and I want you to guess what the film is, okay? Um, and uh, if you know what it is, just put your hand up and, we'll, and I'll look to you and you can shout out the name. Okay, so the first um, slide, please. Right, okay, it's a bit dark, but who knows the film? Who can tell me what the film is? Okay. Um, Cecilia, go for it. Yes, that's right, yes. The, the Sixth Sense, I don't know if you've seen it, it's a very good um, thriller. Okay, well done. Uh, the next slide, please. Sorry, that's the poster for it, just in case you don't know what it was. Um, so, the slide after, thank you very much. Okay, see so if you can guess what this film is. Okay, <laughs> Jenny, go for it. Yes, the original Planet of the Apes, yes, with, um, okay, bonus point, who's the, the, the bloke in the, um, well, you know, on the left? Okay, <laughs> excellent. Right, well done. Okay, so now we've got the third uh, film. No, sorry, it's the slide after. <laughs> I did two slides per film and I forgot. Right. Okay, who can tell me? What film this is? Paul looks very excited. Ah, oh, well, close. It's, I think, well, apparently it's, it's Return of the Jedi. Is it? Have I got that wrong? 
It's a Star Wars film. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, I actually trust Paul, because uh, he's a bit of a Star Wars nerd, so there we go. Okay, the final film. Uh, I think if we just skip the slide that's next, because that's just going to show the uh, poster. Right, okay. Who can guess the film? Oh, my goodness, nobody. Okay. Um, anybody apart from Cecilia and Paul? No, any films at all? Okay. Well, Cecilia, what's the film? Yes, which one? Terminator 2. Well done. Fantastic. Okay. Well done, guys. Okay, so four films we have there. We have The Sixth Sense. We have um, Empire Strikes Back. We have Planet of Apes and Terminator 2. Now, for a bonus point, there's something in common uh, with all of these films. Um, can you guess what it is? <laughs> okay, I've got you there. Well, the films contain a twist. They're, they're all films that have a twist in the story. Um, and so I don't leave you hanging. Let me just take you through it. So The Sixth Sense, um, Bruce Willis plays a psychiatrist, and he's, his patient is a young boy who sees dead people. Um, and the twist is that Bruce Willis's character is not dead. Sorry, is dead, but he doesn't know it. That's the twist to The Sixth Sense. It's a great film. Um, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, sorry, Empire Strikes Back. And the twist there is that Darth Vader is Luke's father. That's uh, one of the greatest twists ever in a film. Uh, Planet of the Apes. Charlton Heston at the end realizes that this ape planet is Earth. So that's another twist. Um, and finally, Terminator 2. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a Terminator that's good. He's a good guy as opposed to a bad guy. Now, um, I hope you agree with me when I say that some of the best stories um, have twists to them. You know, some of the best stories have moments that you just weren't expecting. Something that takes the story, perhaps, in a different direction. Or perhaps the story develops in a way that reveals something more about what you've seen so far. Somehow, what you think you've seen and read and heard before well, something's been added to that in a twist. And it's a bit like The Sixth Sense. If you know the twist, you watch the film again. Um, you will see things in a slightly different light. You'll see an extra layer to the film. Now, as you know, uh, the reading this morning uh, was taken from Luke's Gospel. Um, and the moments that we heard this morning, um, it's a bit of a twist in the narrative, if you like. It's the point at which something new uh, is revealed to us. And we'll get to what the twist is shortly. Um, but first, I just want to give a bit of background um, to the Gospels, actually. Um, so we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in his wisdom, God has demonstrated um, that each Gospel... Sorry. <laughs> in his wisdom, God has given us four different Gospels that show slightly different aspects pull out slightly different facets um, of Jesus. And uh, the Gospels, well, they're primarily biographies, if we remember, and each writer um, arranges their material to bring to the fore um, particular facets of who Jesus is. They all take a different angle on Jesus, if you like. It's a bit like um, shining a light in a precious jewel, and it brings out different uh, colours depending where the light is shining. 
Okay, so let's go through them very quickly. So Matthew, well, he was writing uh, to the Jews of the day. And one of his aims was to show that Jesus is the son of David. He's the true king of Israel. He's the true heir uh, to David's throne. For Mark, um, one of his emphases was Jesus, the suffering servant, the one who came not to be served, but to serve. And then we have John's Gospel, um, who wrote with a desire to bring out um, Jesus' divinity, you know, Jesus, the Son of God. And John's Gospel is peppered with um, various I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Now, finally, we get to Luke. And Luke emphasizes the historical nature of the events he has recorded. It's very easy in our skeptical society to forget that these events um, truly um, happened. And Luke focuses on the humanity of Jesus. Jesus, the son of man, as he sometimes calls himself. And so, for the first 11 chapters of Luke's gospel... Luke carefully fleshes out um, the person of Jesus. He reveals more and more of who Jesus is. And Jesus travels around and he preaches the good news of the kingdom of God. He talks how the first will be last and the last will be first. He forgives. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He raises the dead. He eats with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, those who were the They're outcasts of society. And we see how Jesus actually frequently bewilders um, those closest to him. You know, who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him, they ask? And, you know, we might read that and find some humor in it and actually think, you know, we have Jesus sussed. You know, we know who Jesus is. You know, so far, so good in the Gospel of Luke. You know, Jesus is doing exactly what we expect him to do, what we want him to do. Now, what we're comfortable with him doing. And then, of course, we come across today's reading. And um, it might startle us, actually, because it may not be what we expected at this point. There's a definite shift in tone in this passage and moving forward into the rest of Luke. Because from this point onwards... Um, a new thread begins to emerge in Jesus' message. And suddenly, we might wonder, do we understand Jesus at all? Because it is in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus begins to speak more and more about judgment. So how do we feel about that? Because we're comfortable with the, the idea of Jesus the saviour, aren't we? You know, uh, We delight in Jesus the healer. But now we are reminded that Jesus is more than that. For here is Jesus the judge. Here is Jesus the divider. I have come to bring fire on the earth, Jesus says. And how I wish it were already kindled. How do we feel when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, tells us that his message will, to many, bring strife and division? How do we feel when the one who tells us to to love our neighbour 
as ourselves, tells us that families will be split apart because of him and the gospel that he proclaims. We may find ourselves stopping and asking, just who is this man? And that's okay. That's okay to do that. And Jesus says we're all very good at interpreting signs that tell us how the weather is going to be. But what about the signs of the things that really matter? What of the events of the world around us? Do we notice? Do we reflect on what they mean? As if to add urgency to what he is saying, Jesus adds a parable. If, he asks, you were on your way to court to meet your accuser, wouldn't it be wise for you to try and settle the matter before it reaches the judge in the courtroom? Wouldn't it be wise, Jesus is saying, to do everything you could to avoid jail? So there's a lot to chew on here, and I just want to take a moment and say that scripture can be challenging, and it's okay that it is. It's okay for us to be challenged um, and to ask questions you know, about God and to wrestle with scripture. So to begin to unpack everything that is in our reading today, uh, I want to just look at what things were like in first century uh, Judea. And Jesus, he lived in a very uncertain time. Uh, the Romans were the brutal occupiers of the country. There was wars and there were rumours of wars. And spiritually, God's chosen nation was a bit of a mess, actually. You had the false piety of the high priests in the temple and they corrupted um, the temple worship to meet their own ends. You had the false agendas of the Pharisees who had lost sight of the reason and the meaning of the law. And in the midst of all this was Jesus, God incarnate, standing before them, proclaiming the kingdom of God, performing miracles to authenticate his testimony and calling for urgent repentance for people to turn away from their sins. And for those who were already chosen to follow Jesus, there was a warning, and that was it would get hard. Their own family members would turn against them. And for those who had not yet chosen, judgment was coming. And the fact, the fact is, the time was getting close, Jesus was telling them, the time was getting close when all Israel would face again uh, judgment. And here was their accuser standing before them. So he's pleading with them, be reconciled to God. And of course the nation didn't listen and they chose to crucify their Messiah. And of course just a few decades later, um, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Judgment came. So far, so dark, hey? So far, so dark. The message of judgment, in fact, is one that appears throughout the rest of Luke's narrative. There will be a day, Jesus goes on to warn us, over and over, actually, that when God will judge the entire world, and world history will end. And he calls us to be wise and to be ready. He calls us to be servants, like servants awaiting the return of their master. He calls us to be found with our hands to the plough, uh, sharing the gospel in our words, our prayers, our action, 
our sacrifice and our love. He calls us to demonstrate our faith by what we do and think and say. So these are sobering thoughts, aren't they? And they can, they can make us feel uncomfortable. This is probably one of the most uncomfortable sermons I've ever presented, actually. And I think it's right that it does make us feel uncomfortable. Because it's a serious message, you know, and it's a message that we must take seriously. We can so easily slip into thinking of the gospel as safe. We can forget that a response to the gospel begins with repentance. If you look at Matthew, one of the first words, I think the first words John the Baptist says, is repent for the kingdom of God is, is close at hand. The first word I think Jesus says is repent uh, about the kingdom, is repent for the kingdom of God is, is close at hand. The kingdom of God begins with repentance. And we can easily forget, actually, or put it out of our minds, any thoughts of Jesus, the judge. Now, down through the centuries, you know, people have read this passage as a fresh call uh, to read the signs of the world around them, uh, you know, to take spiritual stock, as it were. And I do believe that it's a fresh call for us today as a worldwide community of God. It's a call to ensure that our eyes are open, you know, our lamps are trimmed, our hands are to the plough, that we're sowing the seeds of the gospel and we're doing this through our words, our prayers, our actions, our sacrifices and our love. Because across the world today we are painfully aware that the church faces a huge challenge. In the Western world our faith is coming under increasing pressure. Many parts of the world being a Christian can cost you your life. And today in the society that we live in, we find God's name is, um, is profaned, blasphemed, misrepresented day in, day out in almost every area of our society. And God waits. We're in a time of grace. So the world desperately needs to hear of God's love. Absolutely. It should begin with God's love. It should end with God's love. But they need to hear of God's judgment. They need to hear the words, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. As I said, the world desperately needs to hear something else. And Jesus talks about it in our reading. It's the terrible baptism that he says he must undergo. Because resolutely, at the time of our reading, Jesus has set out towards Jerusalem and he knows where his journey is going to end. He knows it will end with him being rejected, despised, condemned to die and nailed to a cross. It will end with his disciples deserting him. It will end with his death. But didn't I tell you that every great story has a twist? You know, a moment where you begin to rethink everything that has gone before. You begin perhaps to rethink the concept of Jesus as judge. Because God had a plan. And that was Jesus would suffer and die, yes. But in his suffering and death, Jesus would take all of our sins, all those things that deserve God's righteous judgment, 
and he would have them heaped upon him. And in that moment, a transaction would occur. Our sin for Jesus' righteousness. Jesus would be judged in our place. He would be hauled before the judge instead of us. And he would pay the very last penny. And we would go free. And of course, three days later, Jesus would rise again to show that our sin had been dealt with once and forever. And so we can therefore reflect on the reading that we've heard this morning with peace, but not complacency. I have come to bring fire on the earth, Jesus said, and there are words that are true. But, Jesus adds, I have a baptism to undergo. So Jesus the healer, Jesus the teacher, Jesus the lover of the unlovable, Jesus the judge, yes, but more than that, for those who trust in him need not fear judgment. So let us share the message, let us really go out and share the message, the full message of the gospel, not just the comfortable bits, (laughs) not ducking the difficult questions, but let's do it because we love. Let us tell people that mercy has triumphed over judgment. And to close, I just want to share a picture that um, I received this morning when we were praying. Um, and it bewildered me slightly until, I, until Pam shared about the songs. And it was a picture um, of water being poured um, and it was being poured into a bucket. And this bucket had steam coming off it as the water was being poured. And as I looked closer, there were other buckets, and these buckets had holes in them. So the water was being poured, and some of it was escaping through the holes. And as I reflected more on this, I saw that there were other buckets being passed over fire. And as they were being passed over fire, the holes were being healed because the metal was melting. And then the water was being poured into the buckets, and there was steam because of the, the heat. Um, I don't want to try and interpret that, but I, I, a thought I do have is that it's a refining fire that we go through. And as we go through that refining fire, we can be filled more and more uh, with God's Spirit. I want to close with this thought. The classic story, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, I'm sure you've all heard of it. And there's a character called Mr. Beaver. And he responds to a question uh, from the young girl, Susan. And Susan is understandably a bit nervous about meeting Aslan, the lion, for the first time. And she says, is Aslan safe? Is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Amen.